Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Georgie Porgy Riding High. Pit Stop Troubles Made Him Cry. That title provided by M. Rooster on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How are you, Matt? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. Delighted to be back in my regular shed with its regular dodgy audio setup and not my vacation dodgy audio setup. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm bad, Matt. The people I wanted to do well didn't do well. Stupid F1. F1's stupid and podcasting is lame. I don't want to play podcasts anymore. Oh, dear. No, okay. To be fair, it was a really good result. And Max winning isn't as painful as as it should be. There's something about the arc of uh, the Red Bull story that's making it enjoyable to see them have success, which as a ham that doesn't sit right. No, I understand that. Sort of the Red Bull has managed to lose long enough that they've become underdogs once again, so you kind of root for them. But I think there may be some technical reasons too behind why they look so very, very, um, I'll use the word superior here, at this particular circuit. And speaking of underdogs, I've always considered us to be podcasting underdogs against the Goliath press organizations that put podcasts out. And I won't quit podcasting, I think, because we hit a wonderful target. We hit, in fact, a target I would never have dreamed of setting. Um, You know that download figures and viewer figures have been increasing. um, And I'm absolutely delighted that we have had some success finally in the iTunes charts. And I won't pretend to understand how they work. But I set a dream fantasy target for us a couple of years ago to hit the top 50 in the UK sports charts. And we haven't achieved that as of yet. But I didn't even look at the US charts because we were down at like 400. And there are, you know, much more popular sports relative to motorsport in the US. But this week uh, we checked it and we actually hit 50 in the US iTunes sports chart. So of all the podcasts that cover sport in the world, we were 50th in the in the US chart. And when I looked at it in real time, the only F1 podcast ahead of us was the F1 Nation one. So we were even ahead 
of Beyond the Grid. So I just want to say a massive thank you for everybody that has left us an iTunes review, who has shared it with your friends on social media. Just thank you for all of that because it's really felt like a community push and a community effort uh, to increase the reach of Missed Apex. I, I, I genuinely, I don't think we'll ever get like mainstream recognition. We just, we don't have the contacts. We don't have the pedigree, the names, the business or the financial power, but we do have you guys and you have flooded us with support, love, positivity, and just practical help and resources to drive the project forward. You have let us continue to be an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? Going well. It was a good race today. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah, and we actually have some racing contacts to talk about. Like, we haven't been able to use my whose fault is it bumper for a while. Because actually, the drivers have just been generally well behaved on track. There hasn't been just cars smashing into each other that much for the last few races. Yeah, the standards have been fantastic. And um, I think all the contacts were caused by the same person today. So that would be funny to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Whose Leclerc fault was it? Is what we will call the segment today. And we're also joined by Danish broadcaster Christian Pedersen. How's it going, Christian? Good evening, Spanners. Was it a good racing day? I oh, think. no. Your voice on that mic is so much better than mine. You've gone into full, like, bassy. That's so beautiful. I don't want you on the show anymore. I can... Go a little higher. Is that better? That would make me okay. very Hello. happy. Good evening. It's so good to be here on the podcast. <laughs> no, fine. Do your stupid, sexy Danish accent. That's okay. But Thank yeah, you. what I was saying to Matt was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not upset by the challenge to Lewis Hamilton. Certainly not as, I, as upset as I thought I would be as someone who was hoping Hamilton will go and win his eighth title. I think because, A, we've got a kind of comeback story from Red Bull, but also we've got like a real coming of age story from Verstappen as well. It's um, he could he could do like a hundred race victories this year, and he could do his eighth championship. So he could basically break all the essential records. And someone's putting uh, uh, actually just putting a leg in front of him here called Max, and that is what makes it all so exciting. And it's only half a year until we see the twenty twenty two cars on top of that. So everything is just perfect, basically, from a F one fan perspective. And and this race, Alex, uh, again, you know, it's a, a timing screen classic. It was a lot of it was from looking at the lap times in the lap charts. It wasn't I mean, it wasn't so different to Paul Ricard. It's just I think there wasn't just that sparking incident that, that set it all off. Yeah, to be honest, it was, it was one of those races where if you changed the liveries on the car, you could have been um, convinced it was. 2020 or 2019 that's the kind of race we had today um but we go back into your your question about your um, statement regarding um you're not really mad about the person you're not wanting to win winning yeah i think it's because actually for the first time ever in formula one at least the top half of the grid i like all of them <laughs> well and yeah. that doesn't normally happen you know it's, i found myself cheering on the clerk and cheering on signs i have never cheered a ferrari in life but i like the drivers mm. so i'm i'm a weird kind of neutral this year yes okay as as a hamilton fan i do want hamilton to claim his eighth title because it would just be fantastic but as a but i feel more of a neutral this year 
just because I love all the drivers at the moment. It's great. I, I know I joke about Ferrari being the Death Star and, um, you know, do do Tafosi love their children, not like we do. I know I do all that kind of stuff. But actually, if you look at the modern teams, especially the top four, you know, you've got McLaren and Zach Brown and Seidel. You've got Christian Horner, Max Verstappen, Perez, all very likable. Toto Wolff, extremely charismatic. Lewis Hamilton as well. It's, um, yeah, it's hard to pick out a bad guy, isn't it, in this current F1 grid? I mean, you have to go quite far down. We have to go to the white cars, don't we? Down, down the bottom yeah, of the yeah, We kind of have to go down that far as a grid, but we, we, we won't talk about it. I mean, even, even Lance Stroll, I've warmed to Lance, and he pulled the best move of the race today, and we'll talk about that later. So, you know, Formula One is just a wonderful, wonderful thing to watch at the moment because it's just brilliant. Yay, Formula One. Okay, fine. I won't abandon Formula One just because I didn't get exactly the result I wanted. Um, a little bit of stuff to cover in qualifying. <laughs> Okay, Matt, why don't you get us out of the garage? Um, shall I try it in second gear and spin like a certain driver did? What happened there? I got a message from, oh, do you know what? I'm going to tell tales. I got a message from Matthew Carter when that happened. And he messaged us in a little group chat we've got. And he just went, did Bottas just give up? Like, it just, it just seemed like, wow, what else could go wrong? Oh, gosh, we're going to get criticized for Bottas hate. And uh, I am sorry for that. We will try to be more considerate of how that has made people feel. But geez, I've not seen anything like that in a while, Alex. Just spinning it up in the in the pits. And that could have been so different. The, the last time we saw that was Grosjean at Silverstone when he came out and spanked it into the wall. But yeah, you know, we can get accused of Grosjean uh, of, of Bottas hate, but you can't spin out the pit lane in a practice session and get away with that and not get ridiculed for it. And, you know, it wasn't intentional, but it's still dangerous if you spin in the pit lane. So the penalty was worth it as well. Uh, of course, uh, you shouldn't spin in the pit lane. That is uh, no doubt. But uh, what I find a little interesting was uh, how everyone is, it, it seems like everyone is just looking for something they can storm on, if you know what I mean. So when Crafty saw this, his first reaction on Sky was, you can't have that. People shouldn't do that. Imagine if people got hurt in the pit lane, like yada, yada, yada. But this is Formula One. It's racing. It's the pit lane. It's where the fastest cars in the world. I know everyone is going to go, but uh, human lives and all. But there needs to be an element of danger to Formula One. And he didn't do that on purpose. And he didn't yeah. try to kill anyone. And they're doing 60 kilometers an hour, I think. So they're already reasonably safe. I, I just thought that this was just everyone was just going crazy about a, a minor, small, tiny thing that is very race related and will happen eventually. And that is just the nature of Formula One. OK, so firstly, Christian, th- your attempt to disguise <laughs> a profanity was awful. So uh, I'll, I don't worry, I'll pick that up. But in you know, it's <laughs> what you put oh, on your bed. Uh, okay, it's what okay. you put on your bed. OK, fine. I sleep in. OK, and <laughs> Matt, it is, bar- it is worth it's worth uh, noting that in Denmark, you can sometimes just die from just walking outside because the air will just murder you. So I, I'm not as 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 a safety blasé as our friend Christian here. I, When something is identified as dangerous, I, I'm more than happy to take action and treat it seriously because, you know, the guys there are not in, you know, they're not in body armour. If a car had come scything through, it, it would have been pretty emotional. 
Well, yeah, we have seen people in the pit lane get injured before when cars have missed their mark. But I'm going to try a little thought experiment. Perhaps the McLaren pit crew shouldn't just be hanging out in general in the pit lane while cars are being released, because that might also be kind of dangerous. I'll start there. Yeah, and... I mean, I have to agree, disagree with one particular comment that you made, which was um, F1 has to be an element of danger. I don't watch F1 for danger at all. I watch F1 for the sport and for seeing seeing the best engineers' cars, engineered cars being driven around the car, being driven around the track by the best drivers in the world. That's why I watch it. I don't danger does not come into me at all. I, I would say danger is uh, like you can't have racing without danger. If if you don't have danger, if danger is not a part of uh, of the racing, then I think you take away a, a major ingredient. I'm not saying that anyone should get hurt. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, from my limited racing experience, what what makes the really fast drivers fast is they they go beyond limits that I feel unsafe. Oh, okay. So but, they are yeah, but, constantly in that unsafe area, and that is the nature of it. So okay. you, uh, I'm just going to agree with Matt and say maybe no people in the pit lane unless you have a pit stop. I think the pit lane is a little bit different, uh, Matt. Do we know why that happened then? Interesting you said it was in second gear. Surely second gear makes it safer. You would think so. And this is where, uh, for those of you who think we're just going to hate on Valtteri the whole time, this was Mercedes doing an experiment Uh, At least one other team is launching in second gear from the pit lane. And as you may know from recent political controversies, such as TD22A slash 96BJQ or whatever it was, they are behind in the pit stop battle. And I think they were trying to find some extra time in the pit lane. What I'm immediately wondering is, did they bother to test this out? before they just simply ask Botas to launch in second from the pit lane, because from the result, I'm thinking maybe they didn't. Okay. And I, I do think the penalty was justified. I agree with Christian. You know, it clearly wasn't deliberate. He's not trying to hurt anyone. But that penalty says, hey, guys, if you spin it up and lose it next to mechanics in the pit lane, uh, you're going to get a penalty. Try try not to do, try not to do that. Getting into qualifying it, itself, a really dominant performance by by Red Bull. And I feel, Matt, like they're trying to kind of do down their qualifying pace so when there was interviews with Verstappen afterwards he's saying things like oh you know we managed to just read the conditions really well uh we managed to get the tire prep just right it's like no you're just a rocket right now Uh, well they are and I think the circuit very much flatters their car not in the sense that their car might be worse than Mercedes right now because clearly at this circuit I don't think you can make that argument but I think a lot of things have come together to really give them a pretty big edge at this specific circuit. And I guess the only other thing we could talk about is uh, Botas, who now has a penalty and yet is still impeded by Tsunoda, thereby creating a penalty for him as well. But the most important thing I want to mention is that Hamilton actually took three runs in Q3 to try and get the better of Verstappen. Now, I thought that was interesting. I didn't read that as trying to get the better of Verstappen uh, per se I wondered if it was because there's been so many red flags in qualifying the idea was just to get out quickly to avoid that because Christian I think he did the same in Q1 Q2 and Q3 made sure he was out there on his own 
The interesting part is uh, this was the first sign that Mercedes was trying something different. They they needed a different approach to beat Red Bull this weekend than they knew it. So they had to go out uh, on different times and they had to just try different things as they did in Barcelona where it worked. But uh, it seems the deficit is too big now to make the small things work. And uh, And interesting, towards the end of Q3, you saw Hamilton. I think the conditions had kind of gone away from the first bunch of runs. So Hamilton's down a little bit and he's just like, right, I'm just going to absolutely fling this at turn 10, see what I can do. And actually Bottas ends up putting in a stonker of a lap and picking up second, which makes that penalty all the more frustrating for him. Yeah, it did, because imagine the race we'd have had with Bottas second and Hamilton third and Perez, what, fifth? It would have been fifth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that would have been quite, quite a different start to the whole affair. And it's worth noting, too, that Lewis, on his last lap, he, he passed rather a large number of cars, which I don't think helped his tire prep at all. Yeah, I mean, I think with regards to Lewis's qualifying, the reason he went the three runs is because I just don't think he was happy. He didn't look comfortable in any session, um, in any of his laps. All his laps looked a little bit scruffy. He had a lock-up in Q2, wasn't it? At the beginning of Q2, had a lock-up in turn three. And I just think he just wanted that extra lap to have a go on, on his own. The question, the thing I never got answered, though, was all of those three runs in Q3, were they all on new tyres? Yeah. I believe okay. he'd saved an extra set, yes. Wow, okay, fine. That's quite good then to manage that you have that many tyres because they don't normally have enough tyres for that kind of thing. Um, but as far as Bottas being ahead, if he hadn't got the penalty, if you look at the relative pace between the number ones and the number twos at Red Bull and Mercedes today, mm. I don't think there's anything that either number two could have done to prevent their number one from winning today. They wanted their number one from being ahead today. Christian? And the good thing about it is uh, now we get to see what we've been missing. Uh, Lewis Hamilton fighting for it and making small mistakes. He's going to the limit and sometimes over. And that is what we've been waiting for for quite some time, actually. And in qualifying, Matt, we've actually not seen mistakes from Verstappen for some time. I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling back in my mind to think of when he looked like he's fluffed a qualifying session. If there's been the odd one, fair enough. But he has actually been really consistent in qualifying, which is something that I have consistently criticized Lewis Hamilton for is delivering that that Q3 performance, getting the banker in and then nailing the lap. Hamilton seems to be all or nothing. Whereas at the minute, Verstappen is just all, every time. Yeah, he's quite comfortable in that car and that car is quite comfortable on the circuit. In fact, I believe both of his lap times would have won him pole position. Although the first was the quickest. Mm-hmm. And excellent. All right, let's go um, look at the young Brits, Alex. Let's do our Brit faustiness. Um, Don't worry. This is the good bit where Russell... It still has hopes and dreams. Don't worry. Uh, Russell ended up qualifying in an 11th uh, by one billionth of a second. He was off of getting into Q3. Would that have been his first Q3? Yes, would have been his yeah. first Q3. Oh, well, bar the day that he was at Mac. Mm. Um, but first, yeah, first Q3 in a Williams. Williams. And I'm just more and more impressed by this guy. Every single qualifying session he does. And he was even more impressive for the few laps that he got to do in the race today. And... You know, I just, I'm done with Bottas now. And George has to be in that seat. I mean, to be fair, he could be in that seat from next week, as far as I'm concerned, and I'd be happy about it. Um, Because he's ready for the big time. And in my mind, and I've been saying this for probably a couple of years now, he's up there. He is the real deal. He is with Leclerc and knocking on the door of Max Verstappen, talent-wise, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, but Russell isn't doing 
He's getting the maximum out of the Williams. That's great. But just imagine if you'd have had even another semi-talent. No offence to Latifi, I do apologise. But, you know, if you'd, if you'd have had a, a Gasly or a Norris in that second Williams seat, you would have had two Williams in Q2 probably most of the time. He is, he is I don't want to use the term, you know, he's fighting bums so he looks good. But, because I know Kubica was a, a great driver in his in his prime, but, you know, he is obviously being flattered at the moment, Alex. These qualifying performances, they're not like some godlike, you know, exceeding of the car. The problem is we'll never know. Um, all we can go on is his past reputation, which is he was dominating every series that he's ever been in um, that have included Charles Leclerc, that have included Lando Norris, that have included um, all the other young talent that we've got on the grid, and he's beaten them all. Um, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, he hasn't been able to get into a car that he can really prove it on a whole race weekend and just prove it on a Saturday. I want to make two points about uh, Austria. One is it's a very short track. So I think at one point in qualification, yes. there was seven tenths between 17 and pole. Yeah. So that is one thing. Uh, and the other thing is uh, Williams have always been really, really strong at Austria. I think actually the first year they did the races there, wasn't it Massa in the Williams who was uh, pole position or maybe it was Bottas? Anyway, the, the Williams has always been good there. So I'm not taking any way away from uh, from uh, Russell Sounds at like all. It. I think he deserves all the praise he, <laughs> he gets, but uh, it's a good track for Williams traditionally. Okay. Uh, Matt? Oh, I was just going to mention the historical oddity that Ocon actually beat Verstappen in a series, and he would be the only one on the current grid that has done so. But, okay. You know, okay. If I was you, if I was you, I'd be taking Ocon wins from like four years ago as well. So I completely understand. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. We'll talk about that. Look, guys, uh, we are going to make sure we do get through a bit of the grid, uh, a bit more than uh, the front guys today. But also we will have a pickup show on Tuesday evening as well. That will stream live to our patrons. So support us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. But the finished video and audio will be available to everybody on Wednesday morning. So don't, don't panic if we don't get to your particular team or driver. We will try and pick those up on Tuesday with a fresh panel. Better than this panel, if I'm completely honest. Uh, Norris uh, puts in another stonking performance, actually. And I think we'll, we'll dwell on uh, Norris a bit more when we talk about the start of, of the race. But an, uh, an absolute force he is becoming in that McLaren. Uh, but let's go on to where the race was won and lost. Yeah, Norris does feature heavily in this segment, Matt. I think we're going to make one and lost a bit more of a summary, and then we're going to go through our topics. We're going to talk about why Red Bull were was so good this week. We're going to ask, could Mercedes have won it? We're going to talk about the championship connotations, why this race didn't spark in the same way as some of the races this week, the battle of the number twos, uh, Norris, Ferrari, Alonso versus Ocon. will address the Russell curse. Obviously, we have to spin around three times, touch our chins, and then put a potato on your head to make sure the Russell curse doesn't spread to you. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen was there fighting as well. There's a political battle, a brewing, and also we can talk about uh, the the upgrade battle as well. And we've got whose fault is it to play? But to start with, Matt, let's talk about where the race was won and lost. And let's start at the start. And with the start, I specifically mean turn four, because that is where a young strapping Lando Norris managed to get back round a certain person's hero, Sergio Perez, (laughs) and retake third position. And this was critical 
not so much because, as Christian noted, that either number two is going to make a huge difference to their number ones today, but because it trapped both Perez and Botas behind Norris for the next mm -hmm. 11 laps and made it essentially in it, two entirely separate races between the number ones, Max and Lewis, and between the number twos, Sergio and Valtteri. So that was absolutely positively an important moment in the race. Uh, yeah, okay. And uh, let's go through your other won and lost points, and then we can break it down into our, our bullets and topic points. Okay, yeah, that's not a problem. Um, and then the next thing that happens is Perez, having finally gotten by Norris, has Botas bearing down on him. And I know this one is a particular peeve of yours. Um, and as, as Botas, on his medium tires, is taking time out of Perez on his soft tires, Red Bull makes the call, I believe it was lap 25, 26, uh, to bring him in for new tires. And it all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> and at first, I thought, oh, it's yeah. the new technical directive. It has bitten Red Bull right where it counts most. But no, actually, it was just sort of a bulky left rear. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it did kind of look like, oh, look, they're practicing. They're practicing for the new slow pit stops impromptu in the race. Yeah, it, it looked like it. But no, it was just your usual, oh, bulky thing causes problem. And this had the effect, and this is why I think it was very important, of forcing Botas in because Mercedes knew that he would be able to jump him in the pits. So in he comes the next lap. And that then prompts Lewis to come in on the following lap. And now Lewis was not having such a good ride. Um, both, both he and Max had had some graining, lap 19 to 22, lap 23, Max sets fast lap. But Lewis had just been gradually falling off and in fact was out of undercut range. They might have brought him in a little bit earlier had they not brought Bottas in to cement what they thought was the last podium position, which shows that maybe Mercedes was thinking overall championship points today and not just how do we win the race at any cost. So I think um, it would be fair, I think, to say that this is the, not if, if not the first time, this is a, a good example of, of Red Bull utterly winning it entirely on merit, on pace, and Mercedes just not having an answer. So it wasn't a case of, oh, there was an issue for Mercedes. There wasn't a strategy error. They didn't go the wrong way with setup. It feels like, Christian, this was peak Mercedes going up against peak 2021 Red Bull. And it, just Red Bull were just amazing. Well, obviously something happened along the way. Two races ago, something happened. I'm not sure what, but th this is a quote from... Uh, the post-race uh, press conference, Lewis said, said this, um, maybe not in this exact words, but this is what he said. They have this bendy rear wing, which have been, they have been developing for quite some time, I've been told. So, uh, and he said something about reliable sources. So apparently this is, uh, according to Lewis, this is something that has been going on for quite some time. Uh, and uh, there was also um, a little chit-chat between Horner and uh, Toto Wolf in the team principals uh, conference where uh, Toto sort of like said, listen, Lewis is on track. He sees the car in front of him uh, going out of the corner. He just sees the traction and that is what he reports to us. So we have to take his word for it. We have to take his word for that is what's going on. So that is what we are okay. basing our thoughts on. So that is where it's all coming from, and that is what they're trying to promote. But why 
it happens. I have no idea. I'm not sure it has anything to do with the ribbing. And Alex, you can see on Lewis Hamilton's face, he's just, he's looking for, for answers. And he's just not used to being in this situation. He's used to, obviously, losing the odd race through attrition or a problem or uh, being out-strategized. But just to see the car in front suddenly be fast, he's, he's having to go back in his memory some way to remember, like, 2013, what it was like to have the, the Red Bulls pulling away ahead. Looking for answers is the right word because um, my understanding is he spent five and a half hours in the sim this week. And as you know, we had an, an interview with Lewis earlier in the year, he doesn't – you do use the sim. If he, he's, I think he said if he does 20 laps a year, it's a lot. Um, so I think because Merck haven't been making any upgrades, there hasn't been a significant upgrade to that car since the second round. Um, I think they're having to work on setup and that's the only thing they can do. And the only thing they can do to work on setup is through the sim. And Lewis is like, well, I'm not letting anyone else do that work for me and I'm going to do it. And he even sort of um, mentioned to it during an interview where he said, it's been a really busy week where I think he has just been busting his backside to try and figure out and gain the gap because the team isn't bringing anything to the car to add to the speed. Uh, so I have some thoughts about that, but I think maybe we best discuss them when we talk about the battle yeah, okay. uh, between Mercedes and Red Bull. And let's move on to the final and most important part, my last critical point here, which is the second pit stop for Perez. And all right, so admittedly, it's not that crucial for the battle between Max and Lewis, but for the third podium spot, it kind of was. And they pit Perez put him on tires, you look at the gap going down and you think immediately, oh my, he might actually catch Valtteri. And in fact, he does catch mm. him. He's less than a second off going into the final lap and Botas barely finishes the race ahead of him by half a second. And it was important because Perez took fast lap, which meant that Mercedes now was faced with the choice of pitting Lewis to take that point back, which they ultimately did which meant that takes some of the pressure off Max, although Max was eight, nine, ten seconds up the road anyway. It was something they did before they realized they didn't need to do it, is kind of yeah. what I'm trying to say here. There wasn't any pressure, because I will argue now, I think Red Bull were completely in control of, of this race. The performance was such that they had an answer for, for everything, and I will say right up front, I don't think Red Bull could do this, could be in this position if it wasn't for the performances uh, Max Verstappen is putting in. Red Bull, to deliver, needed a top, top driver. There's so much chat of, oh, it's just the car, it's just the car, you can't do anything uh, without the right car. But also teams can't do anything without the right driver. Williams are getting these eye-catching results, possibly because they've got George Russell. Mercedes have been able to do things other teams haven't been able to do because they've got... Lewis Hamilton. You can see what teams have done with a utility driver such as Sergio Perez, who's got like a special set of skills. And in this case, Red Bull wouldn't be able to to do what they're doing. I, I don't think if they didn't have someone of Verstappen's quality. So I think we just need to acknowledge that there has been a question mark of can he's good Verstappen, he can win a race, but can he do it at the top? Can he fight for a championship? Can he control a race with the top equipment? Yeah. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. In Bahrain, in, in the first race, not as answered a question. But here's why I think this was also critical, is because by putting Sergio so far back, you've now left Valtteri essentially alone on a track to drive consistent, fast laps. And if there's anything that he is more or less relatively good at, 
it is that. Contrast that, had he stayed on track, you would have had Perez right behind him, harassing him as he tried to make his way through all of the back markers. And I don't know, maybe Red Bull might have had a better chance at that final podium spot had they not made that move. I think it's fairly easy to see. You have basically you have three races today uh, and you have had three races for the last couple of races. You have up front uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen just doing something magical no one else can. And then you have Perez and Bottas driving the car to its maximum. And then you have the rest of the field, basically. Today, it was just, it was basically three races. Uh, and I mean, that just shows the uniqueness of both Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen. With the fastest cars and their talents, they are right now showing us maybe some of the best racing uh, possible. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about why they are, they're able to do this and why Red Bull were able to, with the help of uh, Max Verstappen at a cockpit, uh, that he feels very comfortable in, why they were able to do this. So they're talking on the team radio, Mercedes, a lot about this uh, quarter of a second straight line speed advantage. There's some talk of the Honda coming up with a reliability upgrade that allows them to push their power unit harder. But bottom line is they seem better in the slow speed corners. Uh, so they must have some mechanical grip that lets them maybe run a bit of a lower downforce as well. Mercedes still seem to have an advantage in the high-speed corners, so they are probably looking forward to Silverstone. Uh, but why? Why Why are Red Bull able to to have this 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 power? Yeah, I'm asking you, Matt. I'm not asking those mugs. Come on. Fair enough. Well, I'll I start don't know. With... <laughs> exactly. I'll start with the reliability upgrade. It was a genuine reliability upgrade. But what that lets them do is change the maps. They can run more power longer. So when we hear Mercedes say, oh, when all of Mercedes says, oh, they're gaining two tenths on every straight, what I'm hearing is we're going to complain to the FIA about that pretty soon, just like we did with the rear wings. This is part of the larger political battle that Mercedes is trying to fight, getting Red Bull pinned back by regulations so they have a better shot. Oh, but yeah, let's yeah, also yeah. talk. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you, you know, you only have to watch a couple of episodes of Drive to Survive to see that Horner's constantly, you know, going around looking at cars going, is that, is that legal? Have you seen what they're doing with the things? They're all at it. What is it, 2013 Silverstone with the exploding tires? They were up to the same games yep. even back then. It is as old as the sport itself. That said, let's consider for a moment the regulation changes we had coming into this year, particularly at the back of the car where we lost some of the floor and we had some of the diffuser area taken away from us. Now, Red Bull runs a high-rate concept, which means that some of what they lost, they can recover by running at a steeper angle, because we're talking about a total volume here. Mercedes runs a low-rate concept, which means they can't really raise too much before their entire aerodynamic concept just stops working. And this, I think, has given Red Bull an advantage, particularly on circuits like this one here at the Red Bull Ring, that are rear limited. And let's not forget, it was very rear limited. The graining that we saw Verstappen get over, I don't think Hamilton was ever able to get through because they're not able to work their fronts as effectively deeper into the stents. And yeah. it just causes them to lose that performance. Yeah, there might be something track specific in the, you know, the mechanical grip that Red Bull seems to have always had in their pocket here is particularly well rewarded if they've got a competitive engine now as well they're able to run a, a lower some lower downforce i don't think that's beyond doubt someone's mentioning in the chat that they ran lower downforce on the rear wings 
I think that's accepted. It's just, are you able to run lower downforce without compromising too much in the corners? And in the slow speed corners, Red Bull could live with that lower wing, whereas a team like, for example, like Williams in 2014, they just basically, it was only there for decoration, wasn't it, the wings, and they just did 14 rocket launches a race. Yeah, and I think we even heard Hamilton after the race saying that they may have just shaded a little bit too much towards qualifying pace. Yeah, interesting. And that wound up catching them out once, because you can't imagine how much heavier those cars are when the tanks are full. And at that pace, what it does to the tires is really pretty, well, savage is the word I would use. Also, if we look a little bit historically at the circuit, since we've been back here, Mercedes are hit and miss here. They either have an amazing race or have a not very good race here. Um, they've had lots of problems with overheating. And I mean, this was the last time, the, this track was the last time they had a double DNF for both their cars here. Um, so I do think that Merck aren't particularly strong here. It'll be interesting what happens when we get to Silverstone. But at the end of the day, Red Bull just bossing it and doing a great job. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, of bossing it, Alex, you and I were talking before the show about the gap um, up front because Something in our back of our heads over the last seven years, we assumed that that was Lewis Hamilton choosing to, say, keep a three-second gap to Verstappen. Yeah, and it looks like Verstappen did that to Lewis today. He does. Um, because, you know, as as we all, as a lot of us do, we sit there and we watch the times. And every single time it got to sort of like a three-second gap, I was like, okay, Lewis is starting to lose ground. And all of a sudden you put in some good laps. I'm like, oh, okay, now he's coming. And then two laps later... Max will pull out a whole bunch, bunch, whole bunch of laps and increase the gap even further. Max had this so under control today. It was a real class performance from Max today. He did a fantastic job. Not a single error all weekend deserves every single plaudit that he can be offered this weekend. So it's interesting the behaviour of cars when they're in control. So Lewis Hamilton, when he's controlling the pace from second place, which has happened, he tends to sit like within two seconds. So he's saving his tyres, but he's there ready to pounce. When he's ahead... Mercedes seem to have gone for this tactic of about five seconds, which means they're not chewing up their tyres too much by disappearing off into the lead, but they're also able to respond to a an undercut Paul Ricard side. But in the olden days, like Vettel used to just sit there and build up a, a pit stop gap and he would just go woof and he'd go and he'd have a, a whole pit stop free 20 seconds into the lead. Mercedes have not generally done that and I think that might have got them into a bit of trouble now that Red Bull are much closer and, and maybe even ahead. So I think we'll have to see in future, Alex, when when Hamilton does get ahead, if he's got a bit of pace, I, I don't think they can afford to let Red Bull be three, four seconds ahead. If they if we get to Silverstone and Merck's the fastest car and he gets in the lead, they've got to just disappear now. They've got to Red Bull Vettel this. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see Verstappen controlling that pace today. I think that's why you saw Lewis all over the back of Max at Spain. Yeah. Because he knew he can't let Max get away. And he also knows that Max is better than the competition that he's been up against the last few years. Yes. And, you know, the other drivers, he could have given them an inch and they won't take a mile. If he gives Max an inch, he'll take three miles. So he has to, and, you know, Lewis was saying he was absolutely on the limit today. And we even saw him very nearly have a spin today, which was incredible control to save that because he should have ended up in the wall. Um, but yeah, he he's very aware of the threat that Max Verstappen poses. Actually, Verstappen had almost had a spin as well. Yeah, they didn't show it on TV, but he, he, he called it back. It was just maybe a few laps before 
uh, people started talking about wind. So I think they were both initially uh, going full on, but it was so obvious that, that he just had those 250, 30 hundreds on, on Hamilton all day long. Yep, there was nothing yeah, he could yeah. do. But I, I just wanted to add uh, in, in Austria, you don't really get a big difference from undercutting or overcutting. That is what probably made the race a little less exciting that we wanted to because you didn't have that element. But the, it was still a right, uh, exciting race, though uh, I think. But that that didn't change, couldn't change anything between the two leading drivers. Uh, just to add a quick note of historical context from Samathos in the chat room: in the years where other teams were competitive, Mercedes with Mercedes seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and obviously this year, Mercedes have never had an advantage at Austria. Fair enough. Okay, so where could Mercedes have have won it? What would have happened? for Mercedes to have really challenged today. And uh, Alex, you're shaking your head, and I'm inclined to agree with you. On this track, in these circumstances, I I don't think there's anything they could have done. I think we needed either rain, much, much more abrasive tyres, tyres that went away to open up some pit strategy. And even then, Red Bull might have had them covered. It would have just given them an option or Bottas up there between the two of them. But I'm, I'm struggling to find a window where Mercedes could have won today? Max binning it or the car failing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I literally don't see anything else. I mean, if there was rain, if you want to talk about other scenarios within the race, not yeah. with not the bounds that we actually had today, rain, it would have been closer because we know how good Lewis is in the wet. We know how good Max is in the wet and it still would have been, and I think it would have been closer. Um, I'm not going to talk about tyres being different because they weren't and they weren't going to be. But based on what we had today, there was nothing. I don't think even if um, Mercedes had gone for an alternate strategy and pitted early and gone for the two stop, I still don't think they would have done it. I tend to agree. The perfect safety car that happens after Max has passed the pit entrance, but before Lewis gets there, that might have done it. <laughs> Choosing the wrong time to come in for your rain tire, maybe that would have done it. Beyond that, uh, they just they had the oh, just crushing advantage, not in an obvious way, but in a slow seventy-one lap kind of way. Okay, so let's just uh, finish up talking about that top battle. Let's talk about the the championship and how that is, how that is shaping up. Let's see if we can have some some hope for the Hamfosi because it's looking ominous, isn't it? It is looking ominous. We we've still got this kind of PTSD of the Red Bull twenty ten to twenty thirteen era that when they look like this, when they've got the bit between their teeth, that they're going to be unstoppable. I've heard people comparing this to Vettel twenty thirteen, where after Silverstone they disappeared. So a little bit of hope for us Hamfosi, Alex. I this is how desperate I am for some hope. I went to racefans.net and looked at the the, the driver points for the races and I did my own maths. And in twenty seventeen, at this point Sebastian Vettel was up by sixteen points. And Max is currently up by 18 points. And of course, Hamilton went on to win that 2017 title quite comfortably. So whilst it's looking ominous, it certainly isn't over. First of all, I think Max is better driver than Seb in 2018. Yeah, well, um, you're ruining it, but, but okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately also, the other thing that's different, and I have this on very good authority, Red Bull aren't stopping development on this car. They've still got at least 20% of their team working on this car at the moment. Um, and Mercedes, Toto Wolff has said it multiple times this weekend, we're not developing the car. Where can Merck make it up? It just has to be Lewis trying as hard as he can. 
It absolutely does have to be that. And I love this because this is part of the 2022 battle already happening in 2021. And this is Red Bull making Mercedes or trying to draw Mercedes into spending resource on this year's car to protect Lewis's shot at the eighth and never done before World Drivers Championship, their own run of Constructors Championship. Oh, it's all on the table. <laughs> it's that tricky eighth championship, isn't it? That difficult eighth album. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't believe for a second that the Mercedes are not bringing upgrades. So they might, they might not be putting 20% of their team to finding necessarily like new development paths. But I can't believe, Matt, that there's going to be like no new front wing coming up, that they've not had a progression plan where they go, ah, if we find gains here we've already got a, a an idea what we would print in a wing they might not be developing a new aero philosophy but i just call absolute 100 bs 100 percent bs that they're not going to turn up with some upgrades at some point well I, that might be a question i can ask summers in a couple of weeks when we have our next little chat but to my knowledge alex is essentially correct anything that's shown up after the second race of the year has been something that had already been on the designing board and just not printed or made yet and they're really just putting it all into the 2022 basket. I think what Toto is talking about is they are not starting down new avenues. You're yes, agree. Looking for new opportunities with the current car, you are optimizing what you got. And if, of course, if you see like a new detail on another competitive car and you can adapt to it, of course you will, uh, because that is what the production crew will do. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, wow, quick a quick one. What what was Summers going on about when he was saying that? The aero regulations now are that you lose wind tunnel time. Basically, the better you do, the more successful you are. I cannot believe you were foolish enough to ask me this question. Oh, okay. Everyone, everyone take a five-minute break. Everyone else, take five, guys. We're going to talk about the aero thing. Uh, so have there are espresso. <laughs> espresso. There are, there are new limits in effect. Um, for the first time ever, we've seen something that might 
resemble a balance of performance where the top teams are pegged back with the total amount of testing time they have. And the bottom teams are given extra testing time. And that calculation happens at the end of June, which means that based on its first place position, Red Bull will have 90%, Mercedes 92.5%, McLaren 95%, Ferrari 97.5%, AlphaTauri wins with 100%, your normal amount of testing. And then below that, you go Aston at 102, Alpine 105, Alfa Romeo 107.5, Williams 110. And our friends Haas are now going to win because they get 112.5% of the testing time of AlphaTauri. I can't believe, really, you, I can't believe you read all the percentages out. Okay, good. That sounds interesting. And we'll get Summers on to give us a, the lowdown on that. We're going to move down the grid a little bit. We can combine two topics actually together. We can combine why the race didn't quite kick off with talking about Lando Norris and his performance. I think one of the reasons that the race you know, did, just didn't have that spark that made it explode was that Lando Norris ruined everything and just had that absolutely fantastic uh, battle with Sergio Perez. I think, um, I think Alex, it's, it's, it's probably fair on balance to say Norris was the better racer in that scenario. I think he's very impressive. Wheel to wheel is Lando Norris. Uh, obviously, Perez has got the better car as well. Uh, but, okay, let's start with turn one, where I feel a little bit robbed as a Perez fan. So Perez gets down the inside runs him runs him wide to be fair a move we've seen over and over again from the likes of Verstappen and Hamilton and Norris just goes off keeps the momentum and and, and is able to keep the place so I felt a bit like oi what are you doing oi Lando lad what's that that was 100% a pass off the track but they don't class those things at turn one mm. especially because half the field went off at turn one <laughs> no, they did, yeah. so you know they would they, they would have had to give out a million penalties and you know you can get away with that kind of stuff um, but yeah Lando Lando was really clever he got the start that he wanted to get I think he was even trying to have a go at Lewis Hamilton to turn four at one point um, when he when he got Perez back after Perez got him into turn three um, but he just was very very clever and kept the lead and then what was great was once he got himself far enough ahead from his competition, he realised he was having to go so fast to keep um, Perez and Bottas yeah. behind him. He literally waved them past. Yep. He's like, right, I've done my job. I've got my gap. Go on, you guys go finish your race now. But by that point, they were like 10 seconds behind yeah. Max and Lewis. And he, he did a great job up till that point, but it was like 10 laps and it cost 14 seconds. So Perez off the back of Lewis Hamilton was 14 seconds by the time he, he got past, and he was able to hold that 14 seconds for most of that first stint, although obviously the, the front guys were kind of managing their tyres uh, as well. But that that kind of took the front two out of it, and, and this is going to be a real problem for Perez going forward because he keeps, well, Bottas as well, but Perez keeps finding himself on the back foot after a poor Saturday, and he's vulnerable to the likes of Norris and Sainz getting in there with nothing to lose, really, shots to nothing. Um and just wrecking his opening races. I think this is the third race, I think, where he's ended up behind one of those midfielders and stuck for the first stint. Yeah, Perez definitely could have challenged Lewis today because um, Red Bull had that straight line speed. Yep. And the two biggest overtaking zones have got a massive long straight and a DRS zone. So Perez really could have caused a problem for Lewis today and, and Lando, saved, Lando saved Lewis as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so I was putting it as uh, as Lando just ruined the race. Uh, but whilst we're talking, that doesn't count as an incident, but there were incidents in turn one. So whilst that's come up, let's play a little game that we've not got to play for quite a while. Whose fault is it? 
the the game is called Whose Fault Is It and Why Was It Leclerc's? Because I do do a little straw poll with our panel when we play this game and I find out, I just go, Alex, whose fault do you think that, that thing was? And you'll go, oh, it was, it was Leclerc. And I hadn't really watched the incident back in any kind of slow motion. Matt, whose fault do you think it was? Oh, yeah, Leclerc all day long. And in our WhatsApp chat, yeah, yeah, Leclerc. I'm like, okay, I can add, don't worry, I can add some balance to this, Alex. I can add some, I'm going to look at the replay and I'm going to, I'm going to be pro Leclerc in this game. <laughs> but he just like rejoined the track and just drifted right into three race cars. Was it was the kind of thing that you'd have thrown penalties out for in our missed apex um, i racing series? Um, it was a terrible, terrible rejoin. He just came across like he wasn't even there because what he was trying to do was he was trying to pick up the slipstream from the back of Gasly and just misjudged it. And bearing in mind, this is one of the guys that we think is like the third best driver on the grid. Just completely misjudged the back of a car, yeah. smacked into the back of him, destroyed um, Gasly's race. Um, destroyed his own front wing. Um, and then because he had a good drive back, went on to be driver of the day, which I don't think he deserves. Driver of the day, Matt. Uh, indeed. And minus all the things that he ran into, you could sort of argue that, yeah, he had a pretty good race. But the fact of the matter is that collision probably might well have cost him fifth place ahead of Norris. Yeah. Yeah, it could. And when we're talking about the Constructors title, I think that one's probably going to go all the way down to the wire. I haven't got the table in front of me, but I know they're kind of trading points uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, so especially that they're kind of... The Ferrari drivers are, are pretty level, whereas Norris is doing all the heavy lifting for McLaren at the moment. But Leclerc's got previous with that, Matt. You know, that, that incident with him and, and Vettel was very similar. Uh, that incident uh, with Kimi Raikkonen later on in the race as well. He was just a wrecking ball coming through. And then people are like, oh, yeah, driver of the day because he overtook some folk that he himself put himself behind. Uh, Christian? I'll call it a racing incident. Oh, boo. That's the worst. <laughs> I'm that's sorry. But, but there's, there's uh, I know it's not allowed, but there's a small, uh, like, uh, the, 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 the track has a small kink right there. And you have to follow, if you follow the road, you have to maybe just turn a little bit left. And that is what happened. It wasn't, I mean... They just hit, which is just a racing incident. Leclerc didn't try to take out his uh, his rear wheel. I respect, I respect you. I'm frightened of your <laughs> physicality. Uh, however, Matt, he fully just turned right. <laughs> he just like he just fully just turned into the rear of of, of Paul Gasly. Oh, he did. Uh, let's face it. Uh, I think when he gets excitable, he has a hard time judging exactly how big the car is that he's driving. But I, I have sympathy for Christian's argument that we could just sort of blame the natural characteristics of the track for that particular coming together. Yeah, like Imola. It's like that kink at Imola as well and the Russell uh, Bottas incident as well. Exactly. It can be a bit of an error ger- generator side to side. Alex, no? That wasn't what happened here. Yes, it could be that, but it, it's not actually what happened here. What happened but here was could he was trying. It's not though, because what he was trying to do was duck underneath to pick up the slipstream yeah. to then try and get a launch into turn three. That's what he was trying to do, and he has misjudged it. That's what's happened. It's got nothing to do with that kink. Okay, good. Well, though, we're all blaming Leclerc except <laughs> Christian, <laughs> who's being neutral. What? What is it? Um, what happens to a man to turn him so neutral? But the 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 effect that had was Gasly was just trying to survive down to the next turn and he got swamped didn't he Alex poor Gasly got swamped left and right and I, I was looking at that trying to go well what could he have done you know I always try and blame myself in any kind of karting or sim racing thing I go well what could I have done differently I'm like well surely Gasly could have slowed and he could have pulled over why was he going into turn three uh you know going for it he really wasn't 
from from the second it happened, he was just swamped with cars, uh, and he ended up. Okay, this is my take on it. Ricardo, I think, was a bit cheeky. Cut across his nose. Gazzy's like, oh, I'm in trouble here. I just need to stay out of the way. He turns left, hits Giovinazzi, then hits Latifi. And I must admit, in real time in the race, Matt, I was going, blinking out Gasly. Like, do you know what? Go and hit the safety car on the way through as well. But it wasn't his fault at all. No, it wasn't his fault. He was actually being incredibly safe. But the problem is the cars behind him didn't pick up that he had damage. So they were driving around him like he could make a turn as any normal Formula One car could make when, in fact, there was no way he was going to because he was missing his left rear wheel, basically. Excellent. I think that might be, that might be our last whose fault is it? So that wasn't much of one. That was me getting excited about the game, but still, generally good driver standards. Even the Haases, oh, you've got, have you got one, Alex? I was going to say, even the Haases managed to race wheel to wheel without hitting each other. Uh, and then eventually, I think uh, the Haas pit wall made the right decision to just Let's pit one of them. Yeah. Uh, wh- why are you pitting your two young drivers that are recklessly locking brakes and swapping positions? Anything to do with them not hitting each other? Oh, um, no. <laughs> I mean, it was. Alex? We, um, we kind of half mentioned it, but um, Leclerc did exactly the same thing to Kimi Raikkonen as well. And broke yes. part of Kimi Raikkonen's yeah. wing as well. Um, where again, he just came across. Um, I think that was more a case of he'd gone past... Um, Riken and, and pulled over too early. Um, it's a bit worrying. Yes. To, because it's a lot of misjudgment. And pretty any incident we've seen from Leclerc has seemed to have been slight misjudgment, which is a little bit worrying for someone who, again, we rate very really, highly. really highly. Uh, I saw comments. And, and like very much. So it is a bit, it is a little bit telling. And I hope he manages to sort things out because. I don't want to see him go down that route of being someone who becomes a crasher. I, I saw a lot of comments asking if Leclerc's car was the same size, uh, whether he was suffering from ping issues, you know, whether he had some kind of latency issue. Uh, Christian? One could think that uh, Ferrari knew they had to have a good start because their car was really good in race trim, but didn't do good in qualifying trim. So if you have a car like that, you really want to get ahead at the start in Austria because it can be quite tricky to overtake there. Christian, what's your opinion on Ferrari in general? Do you are you a Ferrari sympathizer? Um, do you wish them well? I want I want Ferrari to do, to do good. I'm not a big fan of how they do business. I mean, I'm not a fan of the um, I don't mind cheating to win kind of philosophy, if you know what I mean. Allegedly, uh, and I think uh, yeah, let it, mm. let it. I'm not going to say that word. That's for you. Uh, uh, and they have a history of that. But I think there's new times at Ferrari. I oh, think uh, okay. Ferrari is doing really good. And I love to see Sainz and Leclerc do well. And I think there's like a new spirit within Ferrari these days. Actually. Okay, so Christian, are you are you classing this as a, as a, as a comeback, as a, a renaissance? Because I, my fear is that we are sort of damning them with faint praise, the, the richest team in F1, and we're, we're doing a polite clap, uh, potentially edging towards being the third best team. I actually had them uh, had them second and third in the last race uh, when we did our predictions. So I, they sometimes surprised, but uh, I was really surprised by how slow they were uh, two weeks ago. But this week, it was just it just happened for them. It looked good. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Ferrari has taken advantage of having back to back races at the same circuit, and instead of doing their normal Friday running, they essentially said. Let's pretend we're testing this weekend. And so they spent all of Friday doing long runs 
and looking at the issues they had from Paul Ricard, which I will point out were almost entirely linked to their front tires. And now here we are at the Red Bull ring where it's a rear limited circuit. And to the surprise of absolutely no one, they have now done much better at a circuit that suits their car better. I think Bonato after the race was saying, well, you know, we think we've made some understandings, but I, d- I think the problem they have is going to be with them for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And they just understand better the circuits that they need to maximize their points at would be sort of where he came down post-race. Okay, Christian, are they fighting for the title in 2022? I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. Going to happen. I, I know you want yes, a, a different. Okay, just yes, guess. they are. Thank yes, you. they are. I, I actually hope they are. Matt. Well, it's super duper exciting, at least <laughs> to me and the three other people who care about this. But at the very last minute, uh, Ferrari has chosen to go a different route with the split compressor turbocharger than every other engine manufacturer on the grid. They're going to keep them together. They think they have found something uh, with their new engine team, and they're going a different route to everyone. So from that point uh, alone, 2022 looks to be very, very interesting for Ferrari, because if they got those numbers wrong, they're toast for the next three years. Okay, so things are looking a little bit encouraging for the Tafosi. You've got two young, great drivers, and maybe shaking off a little bit of that 2019-2020 monkey off your back. A quick note here, because Chris Collins has uh, jumped in with a max point that we didn't address. What do you think of this, Van Gene? Max is now under investigation for doing a burnout while the race was still on. He's looking at a 10-place grid drop. I, I must admit, I thought that was super boss. It was like the olden days of like driving to the pit wall, but he basically stopped where the Red Bull mechanics were and lit up the tyres just after the start-finish straight. Um, yeah. Oh, did you not see it? Is that not elite? Is that not? Is there a problem with that? Well, it's... it's wow, it's, it's, okay, th- I didn't know that. Well, the thing is, it's just after the start-finish straight, so you've got cars that are racing still coming through, so I think that might be where he falls back. Yeah, I've, I've got that feeling as well, but normally like, I was thinking, well, they do donuts and stuff, but they normally go and find a little quiet spot once everybody's slowed down. So maybe but the wouldn't, fact... on, wouldn't the problem be slowing down, not the donuts? Oh, maybe. Yeah, un- slowing down unnecessarily. I think so. So but, I mean, is it not a case on. of once you cross the finish line, that is it? That's done. But I don't know. I guess people are still coming over the line at racing speed. So uh, I think actually there's a it, it very on what... vague uh, explanation on how to do it. You have to act properly or something like that. Sorry, Alex. That's right. It, it completely depends on how the rules are written. I, I didn't know that was a rule, so I'll be very interested to see how the rule is written. It's a 10-place grid penalty for that mm. is super harsh. Um, I de- and will not go down well within the community. No. Um, but if the rule says something about it, then rules are rules. I would not want that to have an effect on this championship, Matt. That would be my only thing. Uh, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly. It looks like the chat room is mostly in on the it's a warning, it can't happen again. Yeah, warning will be... Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, a warning. Good. I don't, I don't want anything exterior like that deciding this championship because it's too good. So that, I know this is a, a topic for the news show, but talking about minimum pit stops, I, I don't agree with the Mercedes justification for it. But I've said on here many times, I'm not a fan of of pit stops being a thing that decides stuff. So today, what if we had had a situation where the Perez mess up on... Uh, on the tyre was actually with the Verstappen pit stop and it had been a little bit worse and it had let, let Hamilton just get ahead in a position that that they hadn't earned and Max had ended up losing this race over, you know, over 
Janet on the left rear jack not being able to quite locate a nut. That that doesn't do it for me. I'm not saying that there's not a skill in pit stops. I'm just saying that doesn't butter my bread, Matt. That's not how I want races decided. Well, I can understand that. It's always frustrating when equipment failure causes that kind of result. But Red Bull spend a lot of money making faster pit equipment than Mercedes. And this is, I don't know, is this the first time I've seen it go wrong and actually affect a position in the race, at least this season? No, quite possibly. And yeah, it bothers me not because they wanted to say we think they have a baked and unfair advantage and we want to level the playing field. But they said safety, and I have yet to see Red Bull release any cars without their wheels attached, even though we've certainly seen other teams do it. So it just, the basic justification, I think, is really what gets at me most. All right, let's move on. Uh, Alex, good news, man. What a performance. And this is not sarcastic. I just want to I just want to drive that pain home for you. What a performance by George Russell. I mean, he was really on it. He was eighth, man. He was eighth in Williams with, like, not a ton of attrition not only that he was attacking fernando alonso in the alpine and it was going so well and there was just this collective moan i think the british isles might have just sunk slightly when they they suddenly had the news that i mean i don't even know what happened something about a lack of hydraulic pressure or a lack of pneumatic pressure but um alex exactly how crushed were you oh i i screamed no at the television um, especially because, yeah, as you said, he was attacking Fernando Alonso. Um, he was, I was looking at his lap times. He was around the same kind of pace as Bottas at the time, which was really funny. Um, and I was just like, yes, he's finally going to have his proper chance at points. And then that pit stop just went on and on and on. I'm like, no. And then he was back in the following lap. And then when, you know, that happens, you know, it's all over. And the poor kid must have been absolutely crushed because his performance this weekend has been exemplary um, and it was cruelly, cruelly stolen away. Matt, he will never score a point at Williams. I I put some frogs and a turnip into a cauldron and then I let it evaporate and then a wizard came out of that and he declared it to me. Russell will never get a point at Williams, he said. Uh, it does seem to be that way. Uh, I was really surprised that he was... As high as he was in the order, that late into the race, I expected the tires to be eaten and for him to go backwards, as is, always seems to be the case whenever he starts in a reasonable position. I was like, no, he's competitive. Look at that. And then the radio call came. We have a reliability issue. We need you to go faster. Plan B. And that's really odd because usually speeding up when you have a reliability problem is like those can be at odds. But he came in and sure enough, it was the um, pneumatic the valves have pneumatic lifters. They're charged with a, mm. I think, nitrogen bottle. And sometimes it leaks and needs to be topped up. They topped it up, sent him back out, didn't work. They brought him back in, sent him back out. And before you know it, he's parked in the garage. But this does open an interesting door. Which is? At least according to Sam Collins, which is, you know how Mercedes have been all about the reliability upgrade that Honda just did. <sighs> Can they do a reliability upgrade that just happens to add like 20 horsepower? One never knows, but certainly <laughs> one might think that door has at least been cracked open for Mercedes should they wish to spend the time and money to walk through it. And I, I think proof of the curse here is that, you know, not only did he have a bit of bad luck, but like that is a fault that no one has ever heard of. It's never affected any 
race driver ever. I think the next time he's going to be in with a shout at the points, Matt, it's going to be it's going to be a meteor. A meteor is going to come down and just puncture his tire like three yards from the line. Or a dinosaur will materialize. A dinosaur right will materialize. Line, that yes. was going to be my next suggestion. Yes. Uh, poor Russell. Anyway, okay. Uh, let's go on down the grid. Oh, I'm so sorry, Matt. Ocon versus Alonso. Someone asked me on Twitter. Oh, it was Anil. Our friend Anil um, yeah. said he couldn't remember what we had predicted for the Alpine drivers. And we did have a quite a ferocious preseason debate. I said that Alonso would come in and I said spank him, I think. I didn't mean to use such an evocative term. Um, at the time, we didn't know that the drivers changing teams would struggle as much as they have. Um, so I think, you know, it looked like Ocon had the measure of him. Now that he's settled in, I am going to stick to my preseason prediction. I'm, I think Alonso accelerates from here and he certainly just seems to have had the, the measure. What tell, tell you what, put it this way. You've got to admit Ocon had a, a rough race. Alonso's fighting right up front. He's in the, he was in the stroll train. He's fighting Aston Martins. Ocon was fighting, what, Giovinazzi? What happened, man? Uh, well, so let's be clear. Um, Alonso finished in P9 only because Leclerc took Gasly out. Otherwise, had the, otherwise I believe he would have been in 10th place at best. So a point. So, some, some people might argue he might have been able to hold Stroll off if Stroll hadn't got him at the start. Eh, 50-50 on that. But what I am here to say is I don't think Alpine necessarily have any idea what's going on with their own car. As far as the Alonso Ocon battle, well, I think Ocon dominated through the first part of the season. Not a surprise. Alonso not used to the team. We're seeing Alonso come into his own. But what's really interesting to me, and by interesting, I mean bad, is that they don't seem to be able to produce a car that both of their drivers can drive into the points. And as proof of that, uh, I know from uh, chatting with our friend Summers, they were running pretty radically different setups, um, at least yesterday, uh, or, or at least on Friday when I saw the pictures taken. And that starts to remind me of that season when Button and Hamilton were at McLaren. Oh, yeah. Spa. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly Hamilton started complaining a lot about how the direction of the car was going. And, and I do just wonder in making things better for Alonso if they've not made them a bit worse for Ocon. Christian. They are definitely fighting with the car, but, but maybe something good will come off trying two different directions, I think. But I, I just wanted to come with a, uh, make a comment on, uh, on Alonso in general, because after his qualifying uh, uh, lap, he was calling back and was just so happy and he just put it all in there and stuff like that. He just, I think he brings some positivity to his racing. Uh, I think it's lovely to see Fernando Alonso, who is perhaps one of the greatest drivers ever, just finding in finding his home again and um, dwelling in it because he doesn't he doesn't do very bad mistakes or anything he he, he just makes the most of it and I like seeing that same with Vettel I, I have to say I've always been I've always been an Alonso fan I don't you know don't agree with all his outbursts I don't agree with you know uh, the the GP two engine and stuff it really it seemed like he was sort of biting the fan uh, the hand that fed him. But Christian, I've always had just a general good impression. Like deep down, I feel like he's good for motorsport in general. You know, he's very, he's very much at developing like youth karting and stuff like that. He's got his own kart school. He just seems like a good egg to me. I've always been a Alonso fan. When I was on this uh, on Miss Apex, the this one. start year, yeah, on yeah. this, you know, this podcast, this, podcast here, it, yeah. this is Miss Apex. It isn't is, it? yes, oh, great because. Yeah. 
Cool. Uh, I I, uh, I found some uh, some old quotes from uh, Fernando Alonso, and he was doing like a Twitter AMA uh, when he returned to Formula One with McLaren. And someone asked him, what's the best thing about you and what's the worst thing about you? And his answers were good, functionality, bad, distrustful. Oh. And that is his own reflection of Fernando Alonso. So, I mean, things have happened with this guy. He's uh, just like we've seen with uh, Max Verstappen and Hamilton. They've grown up in the spotlight and we've seen all their bad sides. But I think what is left of Fernando Alonso is is worth appreciating, definitely. Yeah, but Van Gene, he got mugged by Stroll, didn't he? He got mugged by Stroll. Yeah, he got done by he got done by Stroll and a beautiful move from Stroll. They fought all the way through the first part of the lap, and then um Stroll went around the outside of him at turn five. And I was like, you don't go around the outside there. And he used his space really, really well. He stopped Alonso from taking that space and just parked his car there and was really, really good. And we don't see that for often from Stroll. He's not usually the fightiest of people, and it's great to see. Um to be honest, when you talk about Alonso today. He could be put to blame for a little bit of the incident between um, Gasly and um, Leclerc because <laughs> for, for making it eight it wide. Was, because it was Alonso who made it three wide in turn one, mm. which then forced the other two drivers off the circuit, which then they had to come back across. Um, it was still a good move from Alonso, and Alonso is a great racer. He's never been a favourite. Oh, actually, he was a favourite of mine until two thousand and seven, when he decided to completely lose his mind. Um, but and it's always been his attitude for me that's been a problem. His race, his racecraft, his racing ability, his speed has never been a problem. No, but um, yeah, he's 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 it's just his attitude for me. Okay, so with Matt, my motivation, Matt, at the beginning of the season was I felt if Alonso got back to peak Alonso, he was gonna be the number one driver there. My only issue was if he couldn't get up to to speed. Is it fair to say if Alonso is getting up to peak Alonso? Ocon is definitely in for a big fight and possibly a career-defining fight. Well, I mean, I suppose we could ask Stoffel Van Dorn about that. Ocon's already done better than he did against okay. Alonso. Okay, set the bar higher. Uh, well, uh, actually, Van Dorn did about as well against Alonso as anyone did. So they're tied on quality right now. It's four apiece. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ocon, despite having the uh, DNF, is still one up in terms of race finishes. So it's hardly a comprehensive beating of him by Alonso. If 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 it's all Alonso the entire rest of the season, yeah. yeah, you might you might have a point. But I would be surprised at that because I'm still giving the edge to Ocon because his knowledge of the tires is newer and deeper than Alonso, who'd spent two years out of the sport. I think he gets betrayed by those tires and he will have a harder time managing them. But really to me, the issue is Alpine itself. I mean, they were supposed to be best of the rest, and they're barely on the radar right now. Yes, I, I quite agree. Uh, two more topics I want to cover before we go to the podium. Firstly, it was nice to see uh, Kimi fighting up there and uh, getting 11th, which is a really good result just out of the points. But it was more that in the olden days, I could not imagine a Ferrari customer car putting up that much resistance it would normally be a case of, uh, yep, the red car is coming through. Oh, I, I locked up. Oh, I've pulled over. Whereas Kimi was giving it some. He was properly fighting. He was fighting Leclerc, got a great kind of cut back and drag away. So it was just nice to see them fighting. And actually, the Alfa Romeos, Christian, just, they looked fine. Like I'm going to damn them with faint praise, but they looked okay. 
they look really good, I think. And actually, I've put the the exact same note on my page here. Uh, Raikkonen is just this old guy. He's what is he, fifty six or something like 57 that? Fifty seven, and in he's June, yeah. driving his head off still. I love that. He's he's so committed and he's so Kimi Raikkonen as he was always. I love that. But I wanted to mention one thing we haven't talked about. Go for it. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo's yep. uh, engine problems because he had a major start and the race would have been different for McLaren if he had been able to keep up in the top 10. Everything would have been different for McLaren. But And I'm not even sure what happened. Do you know, Matt? Alex, no, Alex. Um, I think Alex knows what happened there. Oh, Alex yeah, knows. So he, was, um, he made six places at the start, which was great. And he was then going to push, push on. Um, and then he had a, um, a sensor issue which lost him a load of power. And then while he's trying to change all the buttons and do everything to get the power back, everyone just swamped past him and he just got stuck, uh, which is a real shame because he could have done something impressive today. And I'm I'm worried for Danny Rick. I mean, I very much sit with form is temporary, class is permanent when it comes to Danny Ricardo, and I'm a big fan, um, but he's got to do something soon. All the other All the other new drivers are starting to feel at home. And he is the only one who doesn't really look at home yet. And I'm worried about that, uh, especially because his teammate is absolutely smashing it out of the park yeah. week in, week out, every session. I just got corrected. Uh, it, Raikkonen, it wasn't a cutback. No, I meant a fight back. He held it around the, the outside. But what do you think, Alex? What does it take for Ricardo? Realistically, I don't think he's going to start dominating, say, have a three-race one run where he's getting best of the rest and uh, and being better than Norris. I just I can't see it happening. But we're kind of getting into the, well, as the number two McLaren driver, what is a good result? That, do you know what I mean? That's the that's the mentality that we're now thinking, which I don't think many people were were predicting. And it's a bit it's it's getting sad for Ricardo fans. Yeah, the report seems to be with regards to Ricardo is um he um he he you don't lied. trust the car. My, my brain's gone. Yes. Yeah, the report seems to be is that he he isn't trying to mold the car to himself. He is trying to adapt to the car the way it is, and it is just taking him a little bit of extra time. Um, and because of that, he's not quite comfortable yet. I think he has an issue with the brakes, which is also slowing him down massively. Mm. Which is one of his biggest strong points is being on the brakes. It's something that took him a while at Renault as well. Um, he'll get there. Just he's got to hurry up. Okay, look, Matt, if there's any season where we're going to give him slack, it's this one. I know it's eight races in, but that's not eight races compared to a, a normal season. Eight races here for a new driver and a new team is kind of like two, three races in a normal season. Yeah, so first of all, we should consider the extra limited testing we had this season. Secondly, Alex, if you really just said his issue with the brakes is slowing him down massively, congratulations, because that was good. And that's what brakes are for, slowing you down massively. Yeah. Um, and I think the good news for Ricardo fans is that on the radio after the race, the team, uh, his engineer was like, we think we know where the pace is. Like, I think we have solved this problem for you. And so hopefully we'll see a much better race out of him the coming weekend. Just a short comment. Um, uh, remember uh, Groshan mentioning that when he started in IndyCar, he, he drove the car for a lap and he was he came into the pits and were like, How's that guy's with a smile on his face? He thought he had just killed it and he was 3.2 seconds off. So speed is relative, even though he came from Formula One and he felt like he did it maximum, but he didn't. Alex. Yeah, the thing you, the thing you just have to remember 
with with Ricardo. He hasn't all of a sudden become a terrible driver overnight. No. You know, last last season, you know, he was up there with top five driver in the driver in the whole series, and he's been around a long time. He will figure it out. Um, yeah, he just, I know I've said it before. He just needs some time. Okay, okay. Well, I'm less confident than you uh, that he will figure it out relative to Norris, uh, but he might figure it out enough to to have a good season and, and help in that. McLaren versus Ferrari fight because right now they they've got one hand tied behind their back and and Ferrari have got two drivers. They had the driver of the day today. Everybody stop voting for driver of the day that came back from the back of the pack. Stop rewarding qualifying badly then overtaking a bunch of folk or making a mistake and then overtaking a bunch of folk. That's all I've got to say as we go to the podium. And that brings us near the end of the Styrian Grand Prix, the Steyr Mark Grand Prix. Matt, I get I get confused when they have these double headers and then they name it something different, like after after the place. So with Silverstone, it was the seventy fifth anniversary Grand Prix. I could handle that. If there was two Silverstones this year, presumably the second one would be the Toaster Grand Prix. That would be good. Well, that would be good, Alex, wouldn't it? If there's another Silverstone this year, if they end up substituting in, wouldn't they call it the Toaster Grand Prix? They've got to, surely. They can't call it the Northampton Grand Prix. That would be rubbish. I, I don't think people would understand what Toaster is, especially when it's spelt with a W. Yeah, and it's spelt Towcester, so that would be brilliant. Yeah. And, I, and I would <laughs> I would insist on calling it the Towcester Grand Prix and people would get very, very upset with me. Uh, an interesting and fascinating uh, Grand Prix that didn't quite spark and explode, but I am fully expecting... The second Grand Prix, which is the actual Austrian Grand Prix, to be a little bit different. I think we've got a step softer tyres, haven't we, Matt? Uh, Absolutely correct. Even softer tyres that will last even fewer laps. So maybe a two-stop if you have to start on the soft tyre. It just opens up some kind of options. Maybe Norris won't ruin it this time. Maybe Perez will just, you know... Just, just have that little bit of an extra run. He mentioned after Paul Ricard, he said, if I've got another Paul Ricard, I know what happened on Saturday. Like, I figured it out in the race. So with two Austrias, maybe he can figure it out on Saturday. He's got to be third. He's got to be third on that on that Austrian Grand Prix grid to start having a real impact. Yeah, but personally, I'm looking forward to what's going to take Russell out of the points this time around. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, so we said, a meteor or dinosaur. One of one of those two things. Excellent. Well, I certainly enjoyed my Sunday, and this is the part of the the podcast where we give out awards. Uh, but please uh, go and follow uh, Alex Van Jean. He's all right. A A. Hang on, not A. V A N G E E N Van Jean. Go and follow him. You do uh, YouTube videos, so search for Alex Van Jean there. Yeah, yep, done. He's done some YouTube videos. Like I did one on. I've done a couple on racecraft, mm. and it's it's obviously based around iRacing. But to be fair, it goes for racecraft in all aspects. So if you want to go and listen to me talk about racecraft and, and watch, how that, I ha- yeah, you listen and watch yeah. me talking about racecraft. Um, go to my YouTube, click on there. Always give the likes, the subscribes, click the bell notification, and I've even got a Discord now. So I forgot to say that. I forgot to say all that. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe this video. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, We have 10,800 subscribers on this YouTube channel. That's frightening. That really is frightening. Thank you so much to everybody who has shared stuff. Um, Go and follow us on social media at Mr. Apex F1. Me at Spanners Ready. 
don't don't bother following that. Just me at Spanners Ready, and you can support the show Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. The links to everything we talk about magically appear in the show notes because Matt manages that. So actually, okay, do follow Matt at MattPT55. There you go. I forgot that you were useful and that I liked you. Well, every now and then I do have something that I can do. Yes. Excellent. Uh, so at MattPT55, uh, Matt's wife's books are also linked in the show notes at A Weaver Right, so you can go check those out. Christian's very difficult with social media, so I tend not to bother. You can have my email. Re- what? Really? Okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, that's my contact info. Well, I tell you what, you can email Christian at... <laughs> <laughs> really i was kidding oh okay well you but, can uh, you... i'll give I'll, I'll i'll make up one up for next time okay fair enough promise but you can always email us uh missed even hang on feedback at mistapex.net there we go feedback at mistapex.net i tell you what we do now we give out a positive award it's the thing of the weekend Listen to how upbeat that music is, guys, because we're going to be super positive in that. Um, let's go with Matt first, because normally we make Matt go last and we all steal his choices. But this time, Matt, you can go first. What was your thing of the weekend? Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz, yeah. He drove a beautiful race. He made no mistakes and he went 40 laps on his medium tires, came in. And had he not had gotten stuck behind Hamilton who he wound up passing around lap 65 and unlapping himself, he might well have taken the fight to Norris and made the end of the race even more exciting than it already kind of was because Perez was catching Botas. And that was interesting that he, was, he wasn't sure whether he could sort of could or should unlap himself from Hamilton. Yeah, the team were like, yes, please, please yeah, do this do thing. Because he was there for a number of laps and uh, it, it really might have changed the complexion of the race in the midfield had he just bombed past Lewis as soon as he had the pace. You know you know how we've said all the drivers that switched teams struggled except Sainz? That we kind yep. of assumed that Sainz had just got up to speed. Could it be that Sainz was also struggling? It's just that that was him struggling, and at some point he's going to stretch his legs? Could uh, be. Well, if that's the case, man, I cannot wait to watch what happens at Ferrari next season. Yeah, and I'll have to eat my words because I've, I've never rated Sainz. So if that does happen, if he stretches ahead of Leclerc, I'll just have to just go, yeah. Yeah, stuff that one up. Wrong on that one. Uh, Alex Van Jean, what was your thing of the weekend? It's a boring one, but it's Lando. He bossed it in qualifying. He hasn't made a mistake. Mm -hmm. He's been on top of everything. He controlled a Red Bull and a Mercedes until he decided to let them go. That's a good point. He's just been imperious this weekend. Fantastic drive. Uh, there's no doubt, is there, that if you put him in one of those the, those top two teams, you feel like he'd be in the mix now. Is he ready or is it, is it too soon? Yeah, I think he's ready because, let's put it this way, um, he was up against Science, beat Science. Science, as you've said, you under you underestimated yeah. him. Science gave Max a hard time. And that's really forgotten. I know I've mentioned it a bunch of times, but he gave Max Verstappen a hard time. And... And Lando has come in and beaten Sainz and is now showing Danny Ricardo a very clear set of heels. Yep. And as I said a second ago, was able to control a Merc and a Red Bull. It's a clean, and, you know, a the, clean, the, the, the kid is superb. A clean set of heels is the catchphrase. You wouldn't be very good on, on catchphrase. That TV program. <laughs> uh, 
let's see the chat room. Mark Greenow points out that it is, of course, Kevin at Denmark.com. That's your email address. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. I'll, I'll make that. I'll promise that. I'm not sure I can do it with the .com, but I'll try. Sorry for the eight times I've accidentally called you Kevin. Matt? Uh, the chat room would also very much like to bring up Gunther Steiner giving Mazepin a top. A spinning top. Oh, yeah. okay. I need to address this quickly. I need to ag- address this. Stand by people who don't like Nikita Mazepin because there is going to be a concerted media push coming to make you think that Nikita Mazepin is funny, likable and talented. <laughs> it is absolutely coming. You're laughing, Christian. But we've seen these pushes happen and they they know who to target. There was a simultaneous charm offensive for convincing everybody that Lance Stroll was not a pay driver, a genuine talent. That might be true, but every F1 journalist, commentator, and uh, an outlet that said it all realised it around the same week. And I'm assuming that gift baskets were a part of that. Look at the huge build-up for the McLaren something special coming. It's a slightly different colour for Monaco. There is that charm campaign coming, Alex, and you are going to start seeing the lighter side of Nikita Mazepin. Just warning yeah, you. Yeah, Netflix are doing um, an extended series do of the... to Survive on him. Apparently it's a spin-off. Don't do the crofty joke that he <laughs> that did was on go- That was going to be my thing of the weekend, and I'm really glad you made, made it possible for me to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, that did make me chuckle, but then again, I what, am a 40-year-old dad. What made me laugh was Crofty said it, didn't laugh, said it was funny, but obviously found it hilarious but obviously can't laugh because it's based at mazepin um, but still had to get it out um but i agree with you i just wanted to ask you spanners um i that is how branding works yeah and that is how I everything know. in the world works and also brexit <laughs> <laughs> oh the, so. the thing i have no strong opinion of one way or the other how interesting uh but anyway i'm just i'm just telling you it's coming i've seen it starting to bubble up yeah. and it's going to be there christian yeah. i have to ask you a question so, yeah, what was your thing of the weekend? Uh, it's it's going to be boring because it's basically what Alex said. Be- uh, he's just doing a brilliant job, um, Lando Norris, Norris, and uh, it could have been Russell uh, if he had uh, yeah. gone through and uh, completed the race. It probably would have been Russell, but um, again, he's the leader of the midfield, uh, and he's like the leader of the midfield alone, and that takes big cornyas. I, I'm going to give it to Max Verstappen for controlling the race. Now, that might not seem like such a big deal, but we just wondered what Max Verstappen would be like in this situation with a title contending car able to control the pace up front. Turns out he's pretty good at it. And I think in the races where Red Bull turn up with a, 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 comp- a package as competitive as this, he's got the ability to do it. He's got the ability to have Lewis Hamilton second guessing. Lewis Hamilton sat there going, Right, what should I do? What should I do, guys? And the Mercedes pit wall had already settled for second. They settled for second half a race before Lewis Hamilton did. And that was down in no, in no small measure to how Max Verstappen managed and controlled the race. He, he scored more than a victory today. He scored uh, an on-track victory because now Hamilton knows that, that when he's got the advantage, he's able to press it home. So I'm going to give it to Max Verstappen for that controlled uh, win oh we've got a bad thing award all too positive let's do let's do the thing where we judge people uh, who are at the very top of an elite sport oh no 
Oh, you missed the apex. I like this bit, and I'm going to go first. I'm going to give it to the Alpha Tauri pit wall. A miscommunication with uh, Yuki Tsunoda led to them not doing better. They said they were unable to communicate the the tyres uh, and and what state the tyres were in. So it's interesting with the language barrier, isn't it, Christian? Because like you Danes and most Europeans speak excellent English. English is generally the the language of F1. Uh, maybe Italian if you're with one of the Italian teams. But when you've got someone coming from, say, Japan, where English isn't... Like, you don't need English to get by day-to-day in the same way, like, all Danes speak excellent English. Shouldn't they just have, like, a translator on the pit wall and just let Yuki communicate in Japanese, uh, at least at first? I'm going to tell you this. One of my best friends is uh, from uh, Japan. His entire family is from Japan. And uh, I told him that the, there's a new guy in Formula One from Japan. You should check him out. out. And the, his first question was, does he speak English? Yeah. Because that is such a huge thing in Japan. If you, if you speak English, you're you one of the very few. And in Japan, it's all about you don't do anything you're not good at. That is just not how life works. So you don't speak English if you're not good at it. So uh. Yugi Sonoda is struggling with his English, but yes. he's doing an excellent job. Oh, yeah, so no, he's doing an excellent job in that context. But when you're yeah, doing those course. real split-second decisions and disseminating information, surely it's not going to cost a lot just to have a Japanese translator on the radio. Just to, if, if nothing else, just to give them an option, you know, just to give Yuki that option to go right in a clutch, in that clutch situation, I'm just going to speak Japanese and the message will still get through. I think it would kill your entire communication line okay. if you had a translator in there. And also, I think it would be bad for him to speak Japanese in the car. He he should adapt to that English situation, I think. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Matt, to, oh, Matt, you've got a comment on this? Yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed him post-race going, oh, yes, I forgot to update my tire status. And the team got very excited about it, which was just, you know. He's like, oh, well, it was a thing I was supposed to do, but it didn't really matter that much. But then the team got all worried about it, uh, which was just fun because, of course, you know, oh, oh, normally just... the shoe is on the other foot, so to speak. I, I just need to adjust quickly because Sid- Sidney says uh, in the chat, his English is better than most people's second language. Absolutely. Like, as a Brit, no way are we criticizing other nations' ability to have a, a second language. I'm just talking about the practical issues that that might, that might bring in this situation. Matt, who missed the apex for you? Um. Botas. He had a fantastic race, but were it not for the spin that he had in the pit lane, it would have been an entirely different thing today. And so, yeah, I could blame Mercedes for that, I suppose. But at the end of the day, he was the one behind the wheel. A lot of people didn't think that should be a penalty. Did we cover it before? Yeah, I think it's definitely a penalty. No, we did cover that. That's fine. I was happy with that being a penalty entirely. Who hasn't done a missed the apex yet? Alex or Christian? Alex first, then Christian. Um, for me, missed the apex was Derek at Williams, who put the hydraulic system together and made it leak for poor George Russell. Oh wow, you're really hurting from the Russell thing. Very aren't you? much so. Oh, it's it's one of those those failures though, where you you can't account for every failure. So until a failure starts showing up on your books and your fault reports, you don't generally tend to address that in your meetings. Now that will be a thing that will be part of engineering meetings. Before that. Poor Derek, he's concentrating on the things that, that normally go wrong. So let's let's ease up on poor Derek. Uh, Christian, who missed the apex for you? Mm, I've seen this in the chat tonight as well, um, and I see it everywhere. Just people complaining about the politics ruining Formula One. I mean, it's it's a bit like saying 
there shouldn't be grass in football. It's, it's <laughs> such a basic element of Formula One because you have these people with the same rules and eventually someone's going to cheat. And then you have to create a system where you can complain about the ones cheating. And that is just the ball who's going to keep spinning. And that is the nature of Formula One. So uh, I'm just embracing the politics and I find it funny. It's part of the game. But you constantly see people complaining about it. I'm out. I'm not watching Formula One anymore. And Toto yeah. is a cheater. And I mean, it's just. It's the same in soccer, right down from players protesting against the referee to people highlighting, oh, that player's wage cap has been exceeded. Uh, those contract talks were not necessary. Uh, all the way, you know, over to like Kabaddi, where people are going. But he, he didn't hold his breath. He was saying Kabaddi while breathing in and out. Or oh, don't get that reference. Go and search Kabaddi Trans World Sport. Okay, so uh, the Pony Award. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Oh, I can't think of anybody deserving of a Pony Award. Can you, Matt? Uh, Mercedes ongoing PR offensive to get the rules changed in their favour. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but like I said, I don't think they're doing anything too different to what Red Bull do and what the other teams do. Do they? Are they? No, no, and I think we 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 would have or may have given them equal stick back in the day when they did. So okay, fair enough. So that'll be a pony, Van Jean. Who gets the pony award for you? I guess I could give it to Lewis Hamilton for doing a really good impression of Red Bull for the last seven years, talking about the fact that the Red Bull was too fast in a straight line. Uh, okay, fair enough. But yeah, I think actually the whole of the Mercedes team did accept they were beat today. I, I you know, they did their best race and they accepted that. The Red Bull just had the measure of them. Do we have any other any other pony awards? I think everybody was fairly fairly well behaved on the comms. All right, in that case, uh, I'll say to you guys, thank you very much for joining us at Missed Apex, especially our patrons. You're our absolute favourites. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Get access to the streams that we only do for patrons, even the ones that go out later. Come and join us in our patron Slack group. It's amazing to be there on race day and i hang out in there as well and have lots of chats on a variety of subjects there's like 30 channels lots and lots of fun but mostly you're the guys that have enabled us to get to 50th in the u.s sports itunes charts i still can't believe that still can't believe that um but it is all powered by love and money so if you want to be part of the money part of that uh www.patreon.com forward slash missed apex it'll be the first link underneath uh, the show notes in your podcast app and please do share the show. Uh, our second favourite, apart from our patrons, is probably the people who join us in the live chat, Matt. And we have an award for them, and it's uh, it's this one. Comment of the week. Oh, that is Mrs. Spanner's singing comment of the week. Uh, did you catch her latest jingle, Matt, where she sung her song uh, on my videos? And my video series, my new video series I'm starting, you can see the first one on Twitter, is... Questions that are easily answered by nearby signs. Go and check that out on my Twitter feed. And it's an incredibly catchy tune that has been in my head for four days since she did it. So, uh, Matt, who is the winner of Comment of the Week? Uh, Just a winner, or shall I read a couple of potentials? Okay, so when I say give me three, you give me 17. I thought if I say read zero and just give me the winner, you might limit it to four. Right. Okay, I can do that. Uh. Paolo Veri, Russell showed he's ready to take Botas' seat. He already has the same level of luck. Okay, okay. Ouch. All right, yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want to bring that curse to Mercedes. Have Mercedes fully considered the impact of bringing the George Russell curse to Mercedes? That's what I want to know. Good question. Um, we have Jaco Ligtong. Uh, Rosberg for race director. Imagine the perpetual entertainment generating machine, Green F1. He is such a stirrer, is Rosberg. Whether you like him or not on Sky Sports, he is like fully looking for trouble. Um, Avene Widge finally giving me a little bit of grief for my Ocon <laughs> Fossi stance. Yeah. Alonso Oconed him. Ooh, that would you like some aloe vera? <laughs> No, I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm old enough that it doesn't really bother me all that much. Um, and did I have one more? I don't uh, know. Yes, and a special shout out to Jerome, whose comment I will not read live on the air, but it did make me giggle. I'll just say that. Oh, well, good. Okay, who's the winner out of those? And it can't be the one that you can't read out, just to clarify. Oh, I'm, I'm very well aware of that. Ah, it's tough. I would give it to Avene, but puns aren't allowed. Paolo Veri, congratulations. You well, have won with Russell showed us he is ready to take Botas' seat. He already has the same level of luck. So savage. Comment of the week. And also, I should... Too soon. Poor Van Jean is sitting there suffering, and that comment comes in. It was, it was too soon. It's okay. It turns out he wasn't paying attention, but do go and follow him on Twitter, at Alex Van Jean. Uh, uh, go and email Christian... Uh, kevin at denmark.com you can email the show feedback at mistapex.net follow matt at mistapexf1 me at spanners ready the show at mistapexf1 we're on tiktok we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on youtube please come and find us and do join us on tuesday as well for our news pickup show and join us next sunday for our styrian grand prix no our austrian grand prix race review will be here at 8 p.m uk time wherever you find us next All I'd ask is that you work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.